Hello and welcome to the Leading Through Uncertainty podcast series. I'm your host, Jude Jennison from Leaders by Nature. And in this podcast, I interview leaders from different organisations and industries to find out more about the challenges they face in leading through uncertainty and how they overcome them. This week, I'm talking to Laura Shukborough, the Associate Director of Ricketts Architects in Leamington Spa. Laura embraces uncertainty with ease. Knowing little about architecture when she joined the business, she's used her creativity in other ways and developed her role to include business development, as well as the development of the people in the business. Laura admits to being an ideas person and recognises that most people are not keen on change and that we need to bring them with us. She talks about productivity, the need to slow down to be more effective and the value of coaching to align the team. Have a listen. Hi Laura. Hi. Thanks for joining me today. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? Hi Jude, thanks for having me as well today. Um, My name's Laura Shuckborough and I am an Associate Director at Rickett Architects in Leamington. Okay, Uh, so tell me what you do at Rickett Architects. Well, um, Rickett Architects, I do quite a lot of things and I have, um, as as a lot of women do, I fell into working at Rickett Architects um, when I moved back from um, Grassington, when I met my husband, who is the architect at Rickett Architects. And I was kind of searching for something else to do and um, just fell into helping him out really. Um, So that actually just entailed coming in, answering the phone, being Mm -hmm. on reception and all that business. Mm -hmm. And then um, I've kind of built my way up and now my primary job is I um, do a lot of business development, um, which involves chatting to people on LinkedIn, um, going to network meetings, just just generally pushing the business forward and the way I tend to do that as well is through social media which is another thing that when I first joined Rickett Architects I didn't know anything about at all mm-hmm. and I've self-taught myself all that but it's a brilliant way of getting the um, the company brand up really mm. and and in a way that everybody is doing these days and when I first joined Rickett Architects they were over in Northampton where they'd been for 20 odd years and really their social media presence was really low so um, they were all kind of busy getting on with their work, but couldn't really see the wood for the tree, you know, mm-hmm. too busy to actually do anything about pushing the business forward. Yeah. So that's how I got into pushing it forward, mm-hmm. really. So it sounds like you've stepped into uncertainty right from the off, that yes. you came in just, and, you, and you're, you've grown your role Very in the time so. that you've been here. Yeah, I have. I've, I've kind of, um, it's kind of just evolved, really, quite naturally. Um, and also, I'm... A bit of an ideas person so I tend to push a lot of the decisions you know I'll as I think we are as women you know Dan and I'll chat and I'll say oh you know this sounds interesting and I've always got an idea that's coming into my brain for mm-hmm. how we can push the business forward and one of them was um, moving the business from Daventry to Leamington mm-hmm. it was on a farm before where um, Dan's father started the business and um, but it was at quite out in the sticks and we live in Leamington Dan was doing a lot of commuting too much travelling, and mm-hmm. I just said, well, why don't we move the business, you know? mm. let's do it. Mm. So we, we did it. And So um, you're not afraid of uncertainty then? I'm not afraid of a challenge <laughs> or uncertainty, no, I, nev- I never have been. Um, I think I think you've got to um, embrace change, mm. I think there's a lot of change in life, and I think if you're, I'm the one who's always saying, oh, let's do this, or let's, let's push for that, and it usually involves change, but mm. I just think that's the way to kind of grow, mm. as a person and as a business, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. So what have been the key challenges that you've faced? 
Well, the key the key challenges have been um, promoting change because I find that um, quite a lot of people aren't very keen on change. Mm-hmm. So you have to um, it's the it, it's putting the idea out there and then it's getting people to see that it's a good idea mm-hmm. and also there's a risk involved. So it's it's kind mm-hmm. of um, trying to um, work out a way that that's going you're going to be successful even though there's a bit of a risk involved. So that's probably one of the challenges. The other challenge was, um, which is probably the biggest one, is I have, until I worked at Rickett Architects, I have no experience of architecture. Mm. So I was busy promoting this business and and know nothing really about building buildings mm-hmm. or architecture. So mm-hmm. I almost felt a little bit like, a, sort of like imposter syndrome I had a mm-hmm. little bit. Sometimes not feeling that I was, you know, how, how could I be promoting this business and know so much when I actually didn't know that much? Mm. And I think that's a great example of um, how do you lead when you don't, when you're not the technical expert. Um, what I'm hearing is that you stepped into a business development role and you you took it as a leadership role rather than as a specialist technical role. And and I think that takes somebody who can actually demonstrate other skills to be able to do that. Well, yeah, I think I think if I look back, I need to be quite proud of myself in many ways because um, it also involves. I think there's a thing when you you know like when you can actually people say well just if you act like you can do it you can possibly do it mm. so sometimes it's a matter of just being brave and they might be really nervous going to network meetings and stuff and talking about it mm. and um, it's actually all a learning curve mm. and I learned a lot from it I've learned a huge amount because in the business I was in before. It was very, it was very, very different to this. So I've, I've learned so much from being here and through those challenges. Mm. And how you say that you love change, but not everybody does. How have you brought the team with you here? Well, oh, that's a tricky one. Um, some of them kicking and not really wanting to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some, I think I've just done it by just let's just get on with it, mm. and then kind of being involved. Um, and seeing the benefits really, because since we moved to Leamington, we've grown a lot. Mm, and mm. so therefore I think people can actually see that what we've done has been a good thing. Yeah. Even though to start with it might have upset their chi a little bit. Mm. I think when you actually, sometimes you, you can't please everybody either. You can't please all of the people all of the time. And mm. sometimes you have to think about that. And you just have to make those tough decisions sometimes, you do, don't yeah. you? And some people mm. have left through us moving. Mm-hmm. But then through people leaving, we've actually gained a, a much tighter um brilliant team which mm. also um which i'm very proud of includes women there was no women in wicked architects mm-hmm. when i joined it was all men mm. and now it's a good half and half mix right. and is architecture is it traditionally a male dominated um profession or yeah architecture when i first joined the construction company and architecture has always been a very male orientated profession going to a lot of um network meetings that were kind of construction based there would be the whole you know men in ties and suits and that has changed though even in five years I've noticed a change Mm. much more um, women friendly much more women coming through into the construction industry Mm. which is fab Mm. and into architecture and what's the benefit of that do you think I think the benefits to having women in architecture is they bring a little they bring something different I think there's a balance between how a man designs and how a woman designs I'm not saying either one designs better Mm. but I think when you're in a team it's good to have those those different ideas and those different views mm. um, 
For instance, this is a really simple one. I love curves in architecture. Mm -hmm. My husband loves straight lines. Right. <laughs> That's know? an interesting <laughs> conversation over the dinner table <laughs> yeah. then. <laughs> but I, I love a curve in architecture. There should be more curves. I've always said that. Um, so, yeah, and also um, in terms of... So how do you get around that then? Um, well, you have to listen to what your client wants. Mm. So you have to listen to what a client wants and then I suppose you... Um, then I don't design buildings, so mm, I can't mm. really comment. But I know they go when they go into a design meeting, you talk to your clients, find out what they want. But I suppose a woman and a man, if you were asked to, to think about the same, in the same meeting, a man and a woman design the building differently. Mm. And I guess I guess nobody would design a, a building the same no. way, would they? Anyway, so no. that's I imagine that's the beauty of it, but also the challenge of it. Yeah, because. When I'm working, even in the office, doing um, we've got a, we were doing our website. We designed a website in in house, and I did it with Paul, one of our guys, and talking to him about the design that I wanted. In my head, I had a picture of what I wanted. He said, "Oh yeah, that sounds exactly the same, you know, as what I want." And then when he drew it, it was nothing like I thought. It was, <laughs> yeah. So actually, yeah, it, it can be very um, confusing. Yeah, everybody's design. That's why you have to have quite a few design meetings mm. to find out, you know, to get make sure you're getting what the client wants. Mm. And I guess in in some ways, the whole profession of being an architect is uncertain, isn't it? Because you're creating something from scratch or you're modifying something, mm -hmm. but you're creating something that is new. That, as you say, you've got people who think that they're talking the same language, but actually it turns out to be completely different. How do, you, how do you get around that as a business? The way you get around that as a business is you have to have, a, you have to be able to communicate together. I think that's what it is. I think mm. if you can communicate and everybody is on the same page and everybody wants to do the best for the client, I think that's what it is. And I think we, as a team, spend a lot of time talking to our clients. That's one of the things that people come back to us again and again for because mm. architecture, it is starting from scratch and it is a really important thing when someone's designing a house mm. or a home. Quite often it's all they think about. Mm. So to be, And there's a lot of emotional uh, mm. attachment to your home, isn't there? Of course there is. Mm. And, and also, um, yeah, you want it to be perfect and it's very important how we live. And that is one of the things that I've noticed with architecture. It's not about just being an architect. You've got to be so good with people. You've got to have mm. such good people skills. Mm. We had um, a work experience girl. She, she came to us when she wanted to find out what she wanted to do, which was two years ago. Since then, she's been to Coventry University. And now she came back and said, can I come and do some work experience? And she was here and she was fab, actually. And when we had a debrief at the end, I said to her, what have you learned? Um, has it been helpful etc and one of the things that she said is I need to brush up on my people skills because from sitting in the office listening to how everybody how intensive it is to mm. talk to all these people all the time mm. because everybody wants something mm. one of the things that struck me when I walked into your office today was how peaceful it is really yeah <laughs> they've all got lots to do <laughs> <laughs> it's not always peaceful it's quite peaceful sometimes. Depends how busy we all are. Yeah. There's a lot of work. We've got a lot of work on at the moment, so um, everybody's kind of probably just snuffling down. Mm. But it's a nice, it's a nice environment. Yeah. And because there's a lot of people, I think there has to be some sort of calmness mm. to it because it mm. can all be a bit mad otherwise in an open plan office. Yeah. 
Yeah, so they're creative. You need to be able to think. You do, and and yet that sense of calm. Just, I mean, I could see that people were really busy, but also it just felt that there was a a calm energy in the office that people were exuding. That also felt quite open and friendly. That's nice. I shall. That's that's very good feedback. Thank you for that. Mm. I think the team that we have now is um, they gel together very well, and everybody sort of gets on. There doesn't seem to be any. Because sometimes in, when you've got a team, there's 11 of us all together. And if you have one person who is kind of not on board, it only takes one person, I think, to upset a, yeah, to upset the whole flow and the chi mm. in the office. Mm. And we've just got a really good team at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's good. So how do, you, how do you continue to keep everybody focused in the same direction? Well, that's what we're working on at the moment. That's one of the difficulties, I think, of having a team is that Everybody's so busy working that actually working on um, pushing the business forward and for everybody to be motivated is one of the challenges that we are facing at the moment. Mm. Because I don't believe that people are... um, I don't think people are motivated by money as much as people think they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think people are motivated by um, self-worth and what makes them feel good Mm -hmm. and and being believed in and being listened to Mm. and thinking they've got... um, a say in what's going on I mm. think that's more important and we're trying to we do try and have a kind of thinking environment going on in the office which is something that I want to promote even more actually mm-hmm. um, and so yeah I mean we have month we have bi-weekly meetings and we have management meetings um, but you've got to be careful to have, not to have too many meetings because yes. they can waste time yeah um, and we try and mix up how the meetings run Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to do it a little bit more that everybody gets a turn of something to say, so the quiet ones don't just sit back. So mm-hmm. everybody feels like they're being involved. Mm-hmm. It's important to include everyone, isn't it? Yeah. But there's always people who have got more to say, mm-hmm. and then some people don't want to say anything because they think they might not be listened to. Mm-hmm. But it's good to create a sort of thinking environment where everybody feels listened to. Yeah. And then you feel like you can. Well, you can you can have space to grow and mm-hmm. to space to speak mm-hmm. safe. And I think, you know, what you're talking to is, you know, talking about engaging employees, isn't it, and engaging the team. And historically, people have thought that money is the primary motivator, and it really isn't. Um, you know, and all the, all the research and all the stats show that it, that it isn't. Um, so how do you accommodate people's different values and belief systems, and how do you create an environment that, is, that enables everybody to thrive? Gosh, that is quite a hard call. Well, I, don't, I hope we do. We're working on that. We're working through that. And what we're trying to do at the moment, um, we want to get some leadership coaching for our team leaders mm-hmm. so that they can not only motivate themselves but help to motivate the, the people who work with them mm-hmm. on their designs. We've got a technical team and a design team. But you've got two team leaders, and what we were trying to do at the moment is to motivate our team leaders mm-hmm. and to find out how you know how they are feeling and how you know. And through that, we were going to get an external coach to come in and do this, and then through life and synergy and whatever you call it, um, I met somebody who runs coaching courses, and I am now taking on a coaching leadership, organisational leadership coaching course. Okay. With thought, I did it to start with, with the thought that I was going to, to coach the two guys that I've just taught you about and our mm-hmm. teams. Um, but the more I go on in 
and on this course, um, I'm not sure I'm going to be the right person to do that mm -hmm. um, because I'm almost too close to them. Yeah. So we're going to still probably have some external coaches coming in to do that. But I think through the coaching, that I believe that through coaching, that is where you empower teams. Mm. Mm. I can't believe how um, amazing I find coaching. Mm. And I don't think it's still, I think it's still underestimated, yeah. the power that can have mm -hmm. um, in organisations. Mm. And I'm finding it fascinating just learning more mm. about it. I just really love it. Excellent. So is that a direction that your career is taking you in, do you think? Or I think it is. Mm. Because I think I might have just found something that, um, well, I don't think, I know I found something that I'm passionate about. Mm. That I think I could have a career out of mm. as well, or a change of career mm. into that, which is which is brilliant. And I never really knew it was going to happen. Mm. It's amazing where life takes you, isn't it? Yeah. But the coaching and the leadership, what led you there? What... I think I've always had that kind of mentality that I love self development, and I've always been somebody who reads a lot of books. I love I love learning about how we all work as people. Mm -hmm. So um, that to me is fascinating mm -hmm. and um, stimulating and I think I've just found something that I'm really passionate about and I think I, what I want to do is I want to put it into I want to put it into practice so maybe mm. I will come in and do some coaching stuff here but it might not be on the level that I first thought right yeah and I see your um, your eyes just come alive when you talk about really? the coaching yeah <laughs> Because life's too short to do something that you're not passionate about. Yeah. Yeah, I it is. I just believe yeah. that we should all try and do something. And I think it's almost like I've been trying to find it for many years. Mm. And mm. now I feel like I have found something that really floats me, mm. floats my boat really, mm. and, and I can hopefully um, be successful at. It's good. It's really, really good. And then, bring, so bringing that back to uncertainty... Once again, I hear you stepping into the uncertainty of here's a potentially new career that's going to take you in a different direction. How does that affect you on a day-to-day -day basis, knowing that you're stepping into something that you might not know where you're going yet? Sometimes I get really um, a little bit sort of like apprehensive about it or a bit anxious because I've got to do quite a lot of essays as well, which I haven't done for years. And I know I've got a little bit of a journey to get to before I can become a coach. Mm -hmm. And I'm also quite impatient. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I'm trying to sort of take every day as it comes and learning as I'm going along mm -hmm. and try not to push the journey too quickly. And it's an interesting challenge that, isn't it? Because I think, I think, you know, most people, probably anybody listening will resonate with the, once we've decided we need to achieve something, we want to have just done it. And, and yet, it, it things always take longer than we think they're going to take. So there's a there's a, a period of time where we just have to relax into being on the on the journey and in in the process of it. Yeah, the it is the process, and it's I, I've always been somebody who I kind of I am impatient and I do like to get to the finish line, and I'm always thinking ahead. But I'm trying to be a little bit more in the moment. Mm and learn and enjoy the process mm. because we are all very impatient that's the life that we live in this mm. is the the society that we're in mm. it's so fast moving sometimes too mm. fast moving really yeah and i think it takes a conscious effort to slow it down doesn't it it does we've got to, we've got to make that conscious effort and we've got to go along with it we've got to um ground ourselves a little bit yeah so knowing that you're impatient how do you remind yourself to uh, 
to slow down and be in the moment. Because I'm, I'm convinced that people listening, this is an issue for everyone. So <laughs> any top tips you've got for us will be amazing. <laughs> Reflection is quite it's something that I've been doing a fair amount of lately. And mm-hmm. I tend to do that. I like walking. I like being outdoors in nature. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it's getting up and it's getting some headspace. And I know mm-hmm. not everybody can do that. But mm-hmm. even if you're busy, I think there is still time just to go out rather than sitting at your desk, go and walk. I know it just mm. seems simple. Even if it's just five minutes. But it's just yeah. where you get some clarity. For me, mm. it's where I get my clarity. Mm. And it's reflection and exercise. I like to exercise quite a lot as well, which mm. keeps my mind clear. Mm. And I think that's important, isn't it? It's that clarity and getting your mind back to that place of clarity. Because I think so many people are in a pace of overwhelm and chaos with so much fast-paced change going on around them that it's very hard sometimes to slow things down enough to get that clarity and also getting off social media and and the like which is quite hard or it has been quite hard for me because it was part of my job mm. but the way we just pick up a phone now is that I, sometimes i don't even know that i'm doing it and i'll go to pick up my phone and i just it's it's a matter of just it's just stop mm. take a breath mm-hmm. just slow everything down a mm. bit and also i try to have um Times when I don't have my phone on at all or with me, mm-hmm. and I'm reading more. Read, I love reading as well, mm-hmm. because I'm doing my coaching. I've got a massive reading list, so I'm right. just loving the reading. Are you? <laughs> I'm just sucking it all up like a sponge. <laughs> and how do you find the time for that? I just find the time. Um, I'm very lucky in the fact that my husband and I have spoken about it and we know that this coaching is something that I want to do so I am taking a little bit of a, a back seat with Ricky Architects and kind of handing it over which I'm actually finding to start with I was finding that quite challenging mm-hmm. you know the the whole taking a backward step mm. when I've been so involved but actually I think probably as a couple mm. when you work together and you live together it's actually going to be really good for us too mm. and for the business mm. and just get on with it now everything's yeah. in place yes we've got a good team yeah so it's freeing you up to uh, to spread your wings then? Yes, which is what's something I like to do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just making time for my reading and I'm making time to reflect and I'm enjoying that because I know that's part of this process too. Mm. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, I, I mean, I think everybody's really busy all of the time and, and lots of people say, I haven't got time. But when it's really important, we make the time. I think you've got to make time because I think also... Um, one of the um, coaching tips that I've learned is we always say or I used to say oh I'll try and do that or I might do that but now I'm saying I will do that because if you say I'm going to do something you're more likely to do it than if you say I'm going to try and do it Mm. Mm. I'm trying to do it means nothing Mm. really Mm. or even to say I'm not going to do it yes or yeah which I think is often the harder thing for people to to say is to say I'm not going to do it it's about yeah, making choices, no. isn't it? Yeah, we don't say no enough, probably. Mm. Although I, I'm quite good at saying no. <laughs> I'm quite good at saying no. I've learned that, um, and I'm quite, and I'm also quite good at saying yes as well. But it's, it's yeah, it's having a balance. It's having a balance in your life. Mm. I don't like that work-life balance saying, but it is kind of true. Mm. So, what keeps you awake at night? Well, at the moment, we're moving house in two weeks again, so that's on my mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what keeps me awake? Quite often, 
my brain is just very stimulated all of the time and, and for one thing or another I'm trying to, to do I'm trying I'm going to do more of I'm trying to meditate and actually I do try and meditate but it's something that I struggle with actually mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes if I can't sleep I try and meditate or do some breathing exercises but just life sometimes keeps me awake mm-hmm. a little bit yeah, and I think it is that over, we are all overstimulated, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And and it's much more difficult to switch off. Yeah, that ticking, and I'm not quite at that stage when I'm um, not watching TV for an hour before I go to bed, even though I only watch a couple of hours. Mm. I do find watching a little bit of TV is quite relaxing, mm. but I still go to bed sometimes and my brain is whirring. Mm. I don't know, how do you switch off? Um, fresh air. Um, meditation actually breathing um, yeah I've just got myself a watch that uh, an Apple watch that reminds me to breathe and, <laughs> reminds you to breathe. and it tells tells me that my uh, pulse has gone up too high and I need to slow down and <laughs> so I think it's it's finding lots of different ways isn't it whether it's you know whether it's technology that is just saying you need to breathe or you need to slow down or um, I think we all find different ways um, I try I try and take time out at lunchtime because it's very easy it's very easy not to mm. um, and I know and it doesn't matter whether you work you know and I've worked in a huge office of 2,000 people and I've you know run my own business on my own and it doesn't matter which end of the spectrum you're at it's really difficult to take five minutes out at lunchtime but actually just taking five minutes or ten minutes or even half an hour um, I find that when I do that, I'm much more productive afterwards. Yeah, so. and also time management, I think, is quite important. That's another thing that we're trying to, you know, that we're, that we're working on as, a, as an office on the whole because of the whole stimulus from social media and from emails all the time. Mm. Sometimes that, that cuts productivity down, and I think mm. that's probably a, a, mm. a whole another topic, but I think that's something that we all need to work mm. on as well. It's, switching, well say, it's, it's saying no and switching off to all that, and just which is hard. And switching off the multitasking, I think, as well, because I think when we're when we're being bombarded with huge amounts of change and huge amounts of different activities that we're all juggling, we're not effective when we're wasting a lot of time with the multitasking and listening. Yeah, and slowing mm. down because our brains are so active, aren't they? Mm. Another coaching um, sort of learning that I'm finding is when you really listen to people mm. rather than. Not just listening and thinking about something that's going on in your own head, mm. you know, thoughts popping in all the time. It's mm. really listening to what mm. people are saying, yeah. focusing on the moment yeah. again. Well, have a listen to one of my other podcasts, which was with a chap called Colin Smith, and he calls himself The Listener. Oh, does he? And he specialises in listening skills, so, uh, oh, so have a listen to that one, because he is the master of listening, and once you've sat with him you feel seen, heard, and understood at a whole new level. He's really got listening mastered. So, And it's a real, something that's very, very tricky to master. Mm. Yeah, and it's really, really powerful. So, yeah. Colin, his name is. Yes, Colin Smith. Yeah, so check him out on my website. I will. So. Another thing I was going to just say then about um, trying to relax is I, when I had my horses... Um, I used to love going to be with them. I used to find that relaxing because mm. even though you were busy working, doing mm-hmm. stuff with the horses, because my brain was doing something, I still mm. found the whole 
situation to be yeah. relaxing. I don't know whether you find that with yours. Well, scientifically, they've proved that when we're in the presence of horses, we slow down, we slow down our breathing. Once you get over the fear of horses, if people have that, we slow down our breathing, our heart rate stabilises and becomes more coherent. So that, it does naturally create more of a relaxing environment for people. That's maybe why so, I love it then. Yeah. <laughs> I miss not. I miss going up to the stables, actually. Yeah. No. Final thoughts on uncertainty? Well, for me, I think I thrive on uncertainty mm. right now we've had this chat and I actually look at reflecting on my my own life um I like uncertainty mm. I like change and I like to just it gives you you learn from it mm. and sometimes the things that we fear the most are the things that we should do mm. so is that your advice then to people who don't like uncertainty that the things they fear the most are the things they should do definitely because quite often the, most of the things that have been the most scary things in my life um, when I've done them, they've been the things that I've learned the most from, mm. and the steps that I've learned the most from, mm. even though they are really challenging. Yeah, and I think the older we get, the less brave we are sometimes. Mm. And I believe that we should still try and be brave and step mm. outside of our comfort zone. Mm. Great. Well, thank you, Laura. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you for having me. As always, we covered so much today. Laura's a strong advocate of slowing down to be in the moment and enjoy the process, something that I know many people struggle with in uncertainty. I think we all have to find our own ways of slowing down. I enjoyed the story about Laura's love of curves in architecture and her husband's love of straight lines. That did make me chuckle about the conversations they might have over the dinner table. But it's a great example of how polarised we can be in uncertainty when we put our own values and ideas on things. But law's clear that ultimately it's about what clients want. And I think that's important to remember when we get caught up in trying to create certainty in the uncertainty. I also loved Laura's line, life's too short to do something you're not passionate about. What do you think? That's it for this podcast. I was your host, Jude Jennison from Leaders by Nature. Keep leading and I'll come back soon with the next interview on Leading Through Uncertainty.